Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Rachel's got the word for us, and we're in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 15. Let's jump into it. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Then we're skipping down to 15. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you use it to teach us and to show us the way. God, we ask that this morning that we would step into your kingdom. God, that we would believe your good news. God, that we'd be willing to do the things you ask of us, to repent, but also to act and to believe. So come, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts and our minds to you. Work among us. So in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 All right, you can take a seat. Um, well, this morning, I'm kicking off our series on the book of Mark. Um, and we're going to be doing this between now all the way to Easter. And so just so you kind of know what we're aiming at, where we're headed, uh, we're going to do a Good Friday. We're going to do Palm Sunday. We'll do a Good Friday service just like we did last year, which I just want to tell you, go ahead, look up Good Friday. Make sure you're at the Good Friday service. Last year, it was one of the most powerful services that I think we've ever had as a church. So come out. Um, we do a Tenebrae service, which is a bit of a liturgical service, but it was so powerful. And so this morning, uh, we're kicking off the book of Mark, and I have a basic thesis that I'm working off of, and it's this. It's that moments define our lives. Moments define our lives. Yo, we all have distinct moments in our personal history, in our collective history, that mark us, right? That change us. We have moments where we knew we were in love. You remember that? Married people? You remember that moment where you're like, I think I'm falling in love. I think something's happening here. Or when you graduated from school, right? Or you got your first job in a field. Listen, we have moments individually, but we also have moments collectively, right? Well, let's check out a few of these. All right, the moment, Jordan won his sixth NBA championship, all right? Next huge one, there we go, Tiger winning his first Masters. How about this one, Mark McGuire hitting the 70th homer. Y'all remember this? Huge. All right, for, for those who are a little more senior in our congregation, we have Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, or I was negative 15 at that point. But for a lot of us, we remember that. Okay, this is my generation. Macy Gray wore the, the, the dress to the VMAs. Uh, a little Razorback history for you here. Uh, in 2007, you'll remember this. Darren McFadden ran all over LSU in Death Valley. A similarly epic event. Uh, the moon landing, right? Did it happen? Y'all are crazy. Okay, next. The JFK assassination. 9-11 attacks. Where were you? Do you remember where you were? I was in seventh grade, Miss Harris's class. Let's keep going through. We have the COVID-19 pandemic, right? A little PTSD, hit this next one. Oof, does it still hurt? The, these photos 
represents a, represent events and moments in history that mark us and change us. We remember them. We remember where we were when we got the news. We have debates about them. Who's the GOAT? It's MJ. It's never LeBron, right? <laughs> was the moon landing faked, you know? Um, it was Jim Morrison still alive, right? <laughs> no, he's not, all right? These events, they impact us, they, they change us, and the, the, the word that we have for this, these are epic moments, all right? It looks like epoch, they're epic moments. They're events in time that begin a new period of development, a memorable, memorable event or date. In, in our text today, Jesus says, what does he say? The time, everyone say time. The time has come. Now, in Greek, there's, there's two words for time. There's chronos, which is the passage of time, and there's kairos, which is the word Jesus uses. It's much deeper than just simply the passage of time. Mike Breen says this in his book, Building a Discipling Culture. He says, Kairos means an event or an opportunity, a moment in time when perhaps everything changes because it's the right time. A Kairos moment is when the eternal God breaks into your circumstances with an event that gathers some loose ends of your life and knots them together in his hands. In Kairos moments, the rules of Kronos time seem to be suspended. In these moments, time slows down. These moments are significant. I wonder if you've ever had moments like this. Moments where you knew because something had happened, whether it be the birth of a child or a new promotion or a new love interest or a, a bad diagnosis or just something wouldn't settle in your heart, that there was a moment, an opportunity to change. These moments, when they happen, they're pivotal they're news, right? These are newsworthy moments, whether they are culturally or they just are in the history of our lives. Sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's bad news. Like the moment you have to face the fact that something has to change because your credit card debt has piled up beyond a level that you ever thought it could. Or maybe that job or relationship you thought was so solid or so secure, you're realizing is beginning to fracture or maybe simply realizing that the world around you has changed. Listen, we will never be the same as we were before we lived through the pandemic, right? It's not just because we were stuck inside. It's because ideas about human flourishing fundamentally changed within our society. Ideas about authority and where do you find moral authority and where do all these things come from massively shifted within our society and relationships broke down and churches broke down and it was a terrible, terrible event that brought about change and growth and transformation if we were willing to lean into it. I remember one of my Kairos moments with God in this is like, as a pastor, it was the worst, okay? I'm just telling you, it's the worst. Everybody's mad about something. <laughs> and half the time they're mad at you and you, you don't quite understand why. And you're like, you're doing this rinky-dink like Instagram live to try to engage with the void that people are feeling in their spiritual lives. And it's not working. And so I had to face 
a difficult reality in my life, which was that my training as a pastor had equipped me to gather people, but if I couldn't gather people, I did not know what to do. And I had a moment with God where it's like I can change and I can grow and I can name my weaknesses and I can try to power through this or I can bury my head in the sand and wait for it to end. But here's the problem. These Kairos moments, they, re- they reveal deficiencies in our souls. And if we ignore these moments, they're going to come up again and again and again. And instead of being transformed through life, we live in this loop of repeating the same mistakes and going through the same things over and over and over. Let me let you in on something that I've learned. It's the way that we respond to these moments that set the trajectory for who we will become. We all have life-changing moments. And what separates those of us who grow from the times where we get stuck is the way that we respond to these moments. And what I want to do this morning is I want to try to give you a pathway for how to respond to moments with God. In the scripture, Jesus is saying, our scripture for this morning and all throughout the book of Mark, this is the trajectory that that he's giving us for the book. He's saying a Kairos moment has come. A moment has come in time that changes everything because of the good news about the kingdom of God. Okay, here's a question. Why is it good news? You know, in a lot of your Bibles, especially if you're in a really literal translation, it's going to say the beginning of the gospel about Jesus. Other translations are going to say the good news about Jesus. Why is that? The Donald English says this in his commentary on, on Mark. He said the word gospel had meaning prior to that either of message or written document. So a lot of times when we hear gospel, what do we think of? What is it? We think of the word, right? We think of a message that we preach, like I want to present the gospel, or we think about the gospel of Mark, Luke, and John. But the word gospel predates our usage. For example, he goes on, the birth of the emperor Augustus was described as what? Gospel. Meaning a happening which would change world history. Mark certainly offers gospel as good news equally, clearly, he's presenting it for the first time as a whole account in written form. Perhaps most important of all, however, he's announcing an event after which the history of the world will never be the same again. Point number one, the good news is the announcement of an historical event. Now, for us to dig into Kairos moments and for us to think about what they mean for us, first we have to firmly establish that what happened with Jesus happened in history. Now, I don't know about you guys. I grew up in the Bible Belt. Who else grew up in the Bible Belt? Where are we at? Okay, so this was just a part of our culture, right? Like the gospel, Jesus, church, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And, And here's what can happen. Instead of it being a history-shaping event, Jesus coming to earth, walking, living, teaching, healing, being crucified, 
being resurrected, sending his Holy Spirit. And and, and instead of it being a history-defining moment, it becomes advice for how we should live our lives. And, And here's what happens. When the gospel ceases to be news and it becomes advice, what happens is we pick and choose what bits of that advice we want to take. But if it's news, it's something that we have to grapple with. It's a reality that transforms history. It's a reality that splits history. It's a reality that transforms the human experience. Instead of picking and choosing when it's news, we have to ask the question, how do we faithfully submit? If this is true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if he did what he said he would do, if he was God who walked among us, the question is not, what do I want that he offers? But it's how do I faithfully and fully submit to him as master and teacher? How do I follow after Jesus? If it's news, the question we have to ask is not do I want it, but it's how will I respond? The gospel is news. N.T. Wright said, good news is an event in history that's happened and as a result of which everything has changed. Okay, so first, the gospel is good news. Secondly, this good news, this gospel of Jesus has come at a certain moment in time. Jesus went to Galilee, which interestingly enough, I didn't know this, but I found it in my reading this week. Galilee was like a major crossroads of culture. I always kind of thought like Jesus went to the backwoods, you know, but, but he didn't. He actually went to this intersection of all of these different cultures coming together. It was this melting pot of ideas and things that were happening. And he came. I just shared the Wi-Fi password with one of you. He came and he proclaimed a gospel. He proclaimed the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom, the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. We're going to come to that here in a second. The kingdom of God has come near. He came to them at a Kairos moment. The time has come. Think about it. God gave this promise to Abraham, right? If you study the scripture, he gave this promise to Abraham. He's like, just if you think about this, it's wild. God's like, if you'll follow me, if you'll leave your family and and you'll follow me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless the entire world. I'm going to bless your descendants. They're going to number more than the sand on the seashore. And I will bless all the nations of the world. It says this in Genesis 22, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations, everyone say all nations, all nations of earth will be blessed. Because why? Because you have obeyed me. Think, think about this moment in history. When Jesus came, Rome was in power. This is a Kairos moment. Why? R- Rome had issued something called the Pax Romana, which, which was an unprecedented time of peace in ancient history. There were 200 years of peace at this time. Somebody could travel from England to Iraq and be under the same sovereign rule. Not only that, they built 250,000 miles of roads. They paved the ancient world, and they connected ancient cities, roads that still exist today and pathways that are still used today. So Jesus came at a time 
when you could travel from one end of the known world to the other on paved roads and at peace. And so what happened? His gospel and his good news in this proper time, in this proper moment, spread like wildfire throughout the known world. By the time Jesus left, there were about 120 people who believed in him. And within 200 years, it was the dominant religion on the planet. And the emperor himself bowed his knee to Christ. They didn't conquer through weapons, but through the power of God and ideas about how humans flourish. It's fascinating. So many of the things, I don't have time for this, but so many of the other things that we long for in our world are found in the person and the teaching of Jesus. Jesus came to them at a perfect time in history, at a perfect place. And here's what I want to tell you. He does the same for us. Listen, I grew up in the South. I went to the youth groups. I heard a lot about hell. I responded to a lot of altar calls because I really didn't want to go there. But it largely meant nothing to me until a moment when time slowed down and I got a real look at myself and I got a real look at what I was producing and the hell I was wreaking on other people and on myself. And I realized, 16 years old, I got lucky I got it early, I realized that there were two pathways for my life, one of death and destruction one of life and growth and peace with Jesus. I didn't know what that life with Jesus was going to look like, but I had this sense that in that moment that Jesus was calling my name. And in that moment of simple response, everything changed for me. What was that moment for you? Let me ask you a question. Maybe you're here this morning and you have had that moment and you need to remember it. God wants to bring you back to it. But maybe you're in here and you're like me. Christianity has just been something that's a part of your life. Hell sounds bad. Heaven sounds better. But there's been no transformation. Moments with God change us. They mark us, and they transform us. Could this be a moment for you? If God's pulling, if you're like something in your heart, God's pulling on you, maybe this week, you've had a week, Mark, with strife, with turmoil, you can't find peace. Maybe there's something you can't stop doing. Maybe you told yourself this week, I can't keep living like this. Here's what I believe. This is your moment that God wants to speak to you, that he's calling your name. And the question we have to ask is that, if that's you, is how do we respond when God knocks? How do we respond when God interrupts? I I got a chart for you, um, I think. You guys have it? Yes, okay. So a lot of times the the way that we think about life is we we think about life kind of like chronos time, right? Like we're just passing through time. Like we get saved and then there's heaven. But it's actually quite a bit more nuanced than that. And there's a lot going on. And I believe the reason so many of us 
go through our Christian lives and we have belief, but we don't have transformation is because we ignore the Kairos moments. Now, what are these moments? These moments are interruption. It's chronos at the top, right? Time is passing, but on that chronos time, this passing of time, there's these interruptions and there's these moments. We all know what they're like, right? We've all had these moments. Maybe you were at a funeral and you were like, I'm not living the same, right? I'm going to call my mom, you know, whatever it is that you, that you said. And then here, here's what I'd be willing to bet. All of us have made funeral promises we did not keep. Come on, can I, anybody in here? Anybody had funeral moments where you're like, I'm going to make a change. And a week later, you're like, I was emotional, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, how do we maximize these moments? Because I believe that these moments where we're like something has to change, these are moments with God. These are holy moments where God is trying to get our attention and God's trying to speak to us. So how do we respond? Number one, we observe. When these things happen, we stop. We observe what's going on in our heart. We observe what's going on around us. And then we reflect on it. So we name what's happening. We name how we're feeling. We name what's going on in our hearts. It could be, I feel angry, I don't know why. I'm just frustrated, I'm losing my temper, I don't know what's going on. That's a Kairos moment. Man, I can't stop shopping, right? That's a Kairos moment. I, can't, I know I shouldn't have spent that money, but I did it anyway. That's a Kairos moment where God's trying to speak to you. So you take time, you stop, you observe. I would encourage you to write. That's why I make you guys write every weekend on the cards. You write. Now, this third one is essential. You discuss. You find someone trusted that's a believer that you can process with. Now, listen, I'm a verbal processor. My wife and all my friends will attest. I like to process verbally. Some of you guys, you might want to write, but here's what I want to tell you. You want to find someone to discuss it with, someone that you can trust, somebody that's mature, somebody that loves Jesus, and it's going to help you process because this next part so the first part is repentance. We're going to talk about repentance more in a second. Repentance is simply, I've seen something and I want to change my mind when it comes to this thing. I've seen something happening and I want to make a change, okay? So that's the first side. The second side is belief, okay? Repentance, this happens internally. It's a change of mind. Belief happens externally. It's action and it's movement, right? What does the scripture say? Faith without works is what? Dead, right? Okay, so this is where the transformation really happens. So then you plan, okay? I've recognized something in my heart. I can't, keep, I can't quit spending. I can't you know, keep racking up debt, whatever it is. Fill in the blank of whatever your thing is, okay? Uh, you make a plan. Here's what I'm going to do differently, all right? Then you go to that person. I would encourage you, the person you discussed with, and you give an account. And you say, I need to make a change. There's something going on in me. This thing has to stop. I want you to hold me accountable to it. All right? Now, this word, a lot of people have complicated feelings around this word, okay? If you want to look at accountability, you want to look at just somebody trustworthy who's going to help you, whatever it needs to look like. But let me tell you this. Don't go to someone who's going to excuse the activity. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I've done all kinds of different things with this. I've made all the mistakes, all right? Don't go to someone that you don't want to go to again, 
that's so ungracious if you make a mistake that you're not going back, all right? Go to someone who's not gonna look at you and say that activity is okay. Go to someone who says, hey, I understand you're struggling. I believe you can grow. I'm gonna lock arms. I'm gonna partner with you. We're gonna fight through this together. That's what you want. That's the accountability you want. You want someone who's gonna hold those values with you, who's gonna fight for those things with you. And then lastly, you act. You go out and you do the thing that you feel like God is asking you to do. You'll, if you'll follow this model, I'm telling you, simple moments where it could just be guilt and anger and frustration will become tools and moments of transformation and growth in your life where Jesus will take you from who you were to who he made you to be. I'm telling you, if you will start leaning into these Kairos moments, God will transform your heart from the bottom up. Amen? Thirdly, this good news is about a kingdom. So this good news is a historical event that happened. Secondly, this good news is something that happened at a certain moment in time. Thirdly, this good news is about a kingdom. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. This reorientation that we're talking about in these Kairos moments, this change is actually stepping into what Jesus called the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Simply, the kingdom of God is the space of God's rule and reign. Let me say it this way. Anywhere where God's will is done, his kingdom has come. So what does that mean? Through these simple moments of reflection, of hearing from God, of acting, the kingdom of God is breaking out in your life and out into our world. Donald English said this. He said, the Aramaic term behind the Greek word for kingdom means kingly rule, sovereignty, or reign. It's about the fact of someone reigning rather than about the geographical area of the reign. It's about rule rather than realm. The good news is that Christ is inviting you under the sovereign rule of his kingship of his lordship, and under that sovereign rule, we find peace, we find healing. Think about the book of Mark. We get forgiveness of sin. We get transformation of heart. We get transformation of our world. We get purpose for our lives. And all you have to do to receive and to live into this kingdom is to receive it with repentance, we're gonna talk about this in a moment, and belief. What does that mean? received it with a changed mind, that's repentance, and with actions through belief. Y'all listen, we all have battles in life. Here's what I wanna to submit to you. The battle you're facing isn't simply a battle of lust or a battle of greed or a battle of spending, but it's a battle of lordship, sovereignty, and rule. When we fight these battles in our own lives, one writer said, it's like we stick our hand through this invisible veil between the world we're in and the world that's coming. We stick our hands and we move from being rooted in the systems of this world to being rooted and changed, to becoming like Jesus in the inbreaking of God's kingdom. So with credit card debt, will we'll greed rule or will the culture of the kingdom 
and wisdom rule. With lust and pornography, will lust rule? Or will love and respect for others and chastity rule? With lying and deceit, will truth rule? Will my ambition rule? My view of the world? Or will God's kingdom come? Here in my life, in my heart, in my house, in my home, in my church, in our city, in our world? Will his kingdom come? Will his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Jesus is saying the Kairos moment is here. The kingdom of God is near. You can reach out and you can touch it. At any moment from here on out, you can reach out and enter into the kingdom. As you guys study through the gospel of Mark, I want you to have this lens. As you go through it in your quiet times, as you see the things Jesus is doing, he's announcing the kingdom of God is near and he's showing us this is what happens within the kingdom. And I want to encourage you to take time and ask God, how might you see your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven? here over these next couple of months. Amen? His ministry will demonstrate in what way God is now sovereign. The particularity of that reign will now be spelt out in a unique way through Jesus. It will also provide the basis on which the future reign of God will be established in the new heavens and the new earth. Here's, here's my prayer for you. I prayed for you guys all week that this week that God would open your heart in your eyes, that you might desire the kingdom, simply, that you might desire God's rule and reign, not an oppressive rule, not a guilt-laden rule, but a rule of freedom, a rule of peace, a rule of transformation, a rule of power, a rule of the Spirit of God working throughout your life, throughout your homes, and out into our world. Amen. God's called us to respond to these Kairos moments where the kingdom's breaking in with repentance and faith. So lastly, this good news of the kingdom of God, which has come in this moment, can only be received through repentance and belief. Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe the good news. Here's my belief. Repentance is one of the most abused, misunderstood, but actually gracious and beautiful words in the English language. In Greek, it simply means change of heart that shows up in lifestyle or behavior. Walking as a disciple means constantly growing and changing inwardly as you take on more of the character of the teacher. Breen goes on, he says, change is not an option. It's a vital part of the life of a follower of Jesus. Once we change on the inside, the new attitude will affect our outward actions. Give you one or two more quotes and we'll head to the end here. I think this will help us. Donald English said, repent has been not only much used, but probably also greatly misused. 
by being too narrowly, not least by evangelical preachers. That's me. Uh, Fundamentally, it means a changing of direction, a turning back, a change of mind. It's certainly associated with turning away from wrong attitudes, words, or deeds. The danger lies in narrowing its meaning down to an emotional sense of guilt, identified and acted upon in one particular time. This is where abuse and preaching takes place. Don't miss this. In fact, it has a much wider connotation. Hearing the stories of many who've become Christians makes the point effectively. For some, there's an emotional sense of guilt at the outset. For others, a discovery, the only source of true meaning of life being in God. Yet others, there's a call to radical discipleship and obedience to Jesus, yet all involve turning back, turning around, and changing mind. Here's what I want to tell you. This is an opportunity for you. If the Lord's tugging on your heart, we're having a moment here where God's revealing certain things. The proper response is repentance. What does that mean? God, I'm thoroughly convinced the way I'm thinking and acting is wrong. I want to take on your thoughts about life flourishing in the world. I have changed my mind. I've repented to seeing things my way, to trying to see things your way. And the logical outflow of repentance must be belief, which is a word of action, where our changed mind becomes a changed life. Amen? So I want to invite you to respond. I want you to invite you to respond to a moment with God where you slow down and you ask, what's been going on in my heart? Why are these things happening in my heart? What is God trying to speak to me? Whether it be through an emotion, whether it be through a fear, whether it be through things crumbling in. And I want to encourage you, if you could throw the the Cairo circle chart back up, that'd be great. Um, I want to encourage us to just take a moment here and do phase one, maybe even phase one and two, where we just, ref- we observe, hey, as I was going through this, maybe I named some things you're going, th- you're, you're going through. I've dealt with each one of these things. I want to encourage you to name that thing, observe it, and then just take some time and reflect, right? And maybe throughout this week, you can discuss it, You can make a plan to change it. You can ask for accountability on that thing. And lastly, you can begin to act. Act out the kingdom of God, to live out the kingdom of God in your heart, in your life, as it is in heaven. Anywhere God's will is done, his kingdom has come. Amen. So how do we respond to a moment with God? That's the big question. These moments define our lives. How do we respond to moments with God? I think this is a good pathway, but I want to encourage you, whenever these things come, to name them, to reflect them, reflect on them and act upon them, right? And what the scripture promises is that when we do, the power of God through his Holy Spirit will meet us where we're at and give us the power to make the change. Amen? Let's take some time and respond. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Just want to lead you through a bit of reflection and prayer. Firstly, let's just reflect on the good news of Jesus. Christ, we believe 
that you came in a certain moment in history. And that moment changes everything. God, I ask that you would meet us in this moment. And what I want you to do is allow to rise to God in his presence. Maybe some things that have been operating or going on in your own heart. It could be frustration with your station in life. It could be fear over diagnosis or financial situation. It could be anger at a friend. But whatever it is, something that God's maybe been doing in you in the last week or so, just name it. Let this be a holy moment. Let this be a Kairos moment with God. Come Holy Spirit. Take these thoughts, these intentions, and give us power. We thank you that the same power that was in Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit. If you never received the Holy Spirit, right now you can do it. You can hold your hands out in front of you and say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Enter my heart, my mind, my life. Teach me to obey Christ. We love your presence, Lord. Work in us, through us, and among us. So Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.